0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us on our debut podcast, Inside the Vocal Majority, featuring members of one of the most accomplished and respected choruses. This is the first in a series of podcasts, which will include stories and music spanning our almost 50-year history. Our plan is to bring you additional podcasts periodically on the Vocal Majority website, VocalMajority.com. This debut episode features musical director Greg Clancy in conversation with certified Barbershop Harmony Society judge, arranger, and member of the Vocal Majority, Anthony Bartholomew. Let's listen in. Welcome. You're Uh, Greg Clancy. And you're Anthony Bartholomew.
1: That was a great introduction. It was. I think we'll keep that as part of the overall podcast. (laughs) We are both members of the Vocal Majority in the Dallas metro area. You're a little bit more than a member. Can you tell me about your role? I haven't,
2: I don't know exactly what it is you do. Well, uh, I don't really either, mm-hmm. but um, I was the spotlight guy at the dinner theater uh-huh. shows, you know, back when I was 10, uh, spotlighting the dealer's choice and framing them and putting different gel colors on them, like way too much and too many. Oh, this is this a real story? Yeah.
1: You put, you were spotlighting the dealer's choice when you were 10 years old. literally
2: the spotlight. It was this, we we did these things at um, Granny's Dinner Theater Uh on Monday nights, and it was their off nights, so there was really no crew, and they had this one big spotlight in the back, so I'd go run it, you know, when I wasn't singing with, well, I wasn't singing with the chorus yet, but I would show up, you know, when I was 10, and I would go stand there and frame them in the spotlight and put different gel colors in, and. And the dealer's choice,
1: for those kind of listening, are the 1973 three International Bar- Society for the Preservation and Encouragement of Barbershop Quartet Singing in America, Champions... They won on their first time out. Yes. And one and done. One and done. Gary, their bass, still sings with us and holds holds some leadership responsibilities yep. with us. So yep. they've been
2: around for a long time and they're kind of legendary. Yeah, so Martin it was, you know, I just didn't know any better. You didn't. Know. <laughs> so I just throw the light up there and, you know, and then drop in these, you know, they had all these cool little gel colors. So I would just throw these things, you know, and people were probably freaking right. out, you know, they were in magenta and then, you know. And this was for so what kind of shows were they doing? These are just a little casual. They would appear on our shows that, you know, supporting the course, they were all yeah. the section leaders, but. Right. right. So that's kind of how I got my start. Did you know <laughs> what you were getting, like, so at that
1: time your dad, Jim, was already part of this, right? So he was, was he directing at that he time He had already? just,
2: he was assistant director and then moved into the director role while that was going on and, and, uh. I was at one of those shows, and I was talking to them and singing a tag, and Brian Beck was standing there, and he's like, you know, we got a spot in the middle of the front row open. And of course, you know, my eyes lit up, yeah. and my dad's going, kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> he can't really sing. Yeah. He doesn't look that great. Yeah, He's pretty a nice about that kind of stuff. It would be he... a challenge. It was, yeah, it was a little uh, <laughs> revealing. Um, but yeah, so now I'm directing the chorus. and uh, You've been directing how long? Um, For about... Hmm, I guess about five years, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but have kind of had different roles throughout, and uh, and you know just been in and out, and you know actually spent about three years away from the chorus, going through some life stuff. And, sure. Um, then you realize how much you miss it, and you know I came back and been back for about six, seven years, and um, and yeah, I'm the director now. It's really weird it's it's i would
1: guess it's hard to be away i mean sure if you have stuff going on kind of in your life but i've been away probably about a year since my daughter was born she just turned a year no. well even though if you're listening to this in 2019 she just <laughs> turned a year depending on when you're listening to this you might have to do the math <laughs> but in order for me to properly try to raise her aka help my wife you know not have to do this on her own i had to take a little bit of time away from the course and every time thursday rolls around i'm realizing I'm I'm missing something more than just exercising my vocal cords. I mean, I'm missing this brotherhood, this fellowship, my friends. You know, yeah. Um, if nothing more than a guys' night out too, because there's nothing like seeing text or or Facebook lives or something like that from everybody having fun in the chorus. And I'm thinking, I'm changing a diaper. I've changed several diapers <laughs> throughout this time. I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying this because because uh, it's my kid. But man, it'd be cool if. Uh, mm. I was just with a bunch of adults at this time, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. hard to be away. I I, I can't imagine for, for a few years like
2: that. Yeah, it is and was. And, you know, I, I was a little burnt out at the time, I think. Um, and there were, like I said, things going on around me, uh, family and career-wise and stuff that, um, you know, I felt just kind of loaded down. So mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, honestly, the reason that I stepped out was because I didn't feel like, that my level of enthusiasm mm-hmm. and desire was there, and I couldn't get up in front of the course and lie about it. Right. So I just, you know, I'd been back. I'd only been back a few weeks from a like about a six eight month sabbatical, and I just realized I can't stand up here and and be dishonest mm-hmm. um, with them, and also, you know, lead them without the real sense of purpose and passion and all that you have to have for it.
1: Even as a member, I would say we i feel a, a sort of an obligation to if i'm going to be there that i have to be all in we have so many performances we have so many shows contests so many songs to learn that i could show up and be a Joe Barbershopper, but it, it doesn't mean anything if I haven't put in the work that's required kind of yeah. behind the scenes. So I, I, as a member, I feel that obligation. I can't even imagine at the time as assistant or actual director that, that you would, that you have to make that decision and say, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I can show up and be in front of everybody, but they will know the difference.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you're where you're supposed to be right now. And that's a great thing about the chorus. Mm-hmm. The chorus is going to be around, and if somebody has you know, some something going on in their life. I mean, family and, and career have, you mm. know, for these members have, has to come first. Right. And, you know, you get, you're get you right where you're supposed to be. You won't regret it. And when you're, you know, able to be back and hopefully now or soon or right. whenever, it's that'll be great. And we'll just, you know, we'll be better for it.
1: Well, I have a lot of fun. I mean, I, I can't imagine doing anything else any Thursday nights. <laughs> you know, I've, I, I get this from a... Uh, Bob Calderon, he was my director when I started in El, uh, in the El Paso chapter. Wow. And he would tell me, you know, that people would ask him, What are you doing? Uh, or how, the, how would they say it? We might have to cut this out. Um, that he would say, I sing in a barbershop chorus. And they say, When do you do that? He says, Every Tuesday night for the rest of my life. You know? <laughs> I think that's amazing, and yeah. I remember thinking, I remember not being scared by that, not being thinking, "What did I just get into?" Because that was pretty early on in my barbershop career. You told me that, but I realized, wow. yeah, that's me too. I think, yeah, you know? yeah, you're,
2: you get hooked, you know, unless yeah, unless something comes up that you have to be away from it. It's a, it's an addiction, right? A healthy addiction. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there are worse things to be addicted by. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you <know>? for sure, <laughs> you know? for sure. So you're gonna, you're gonna be singing on the Christmas shows. That's or? my plan.
1: Yeah, Yay. yeah, that's my plan. We'll um, be op- opening with one of your charts. You're Which singing one very of my songs. Cool. Thank you. Yes. We, for this show, we're doing the Polar Express. Um, uh, it's awesome. Thank you very much, Chad Emke. Commit, you know, asked me about doing it for at least that's the theme for the show. And um, I guess I hadn't heard it. I'd never seen the movie because it looked creepy, right? Have you seen the movie?
2: <laughs> I have. I loved it.
1: They hadn't quite beaten that uh, uncanny valley <laughs> thing going on, so. <laughs> Tom, H- it looks like Tom Hanks' face plastered over Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, to <Yes. laughs> describe that. So I never got into that kind of thing. And later on, you know, once they started talking to me about doing the song, I, I started listening to it and watching pieces of it. I thought, first of all, it's really endearing, really sweet. Now that I've got kids, you know, mm-hmm. Christmas is just it just has an extra layer of sweetness oh. that I've never. Encountered before. I had no idea. You know, they tell you yeah. all these things that you experience when you've got, when you've got kids. Oh, you're gonna feel love like you never had before. Yeah, but I'm really tired. Like I'm really exhausted all the time. You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, but but I still. You know. But I get it. You know. And then as Christmas started rolling around, and you see these. You know, they're getting older, so they could start unwrapping gifts. And oh yeah,
2: man. It, the whole experience is, you know, it's the cookies and milk and yeah. the letter and you yeah. know all of those amazing. You know, we we put out deer food. You know, and you put out deer food. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, and one year we had some sleigh bells. So I literally, my daughter was, McKay was like four maybe and Jack was two or right in there. And I remember going about about one in the morning and going outside of her window with these sleigh bells. And I, I tried to shake them so that, it sounded like they were distant at first, uh-huh. you know, and then they were getting closer. So I shook them harder and yeah. harder, you know, and made some Santa noises and, you know, hoo, 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 and stuff. And then that's the Santa faded noise. them out. And that, yeah, that's it. So, um, and did they get Santa it? I mean, were they, yeah, oh, yeah, that's cool. she, yeah. She got it.
3: To the top of the wall Dash away, dash away, dash away all. Oh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh Old St. Nicholas, he took a flight The moon was shining bright Bring out the bells. Old Saint Nick was riding through the sky. You should have seen those reindeer fly. Ring out the bells, ring out the bells. it's a holiday season. Ring out the bells, ring out the bells. it's a happy time. Ring out, the bells. ring out the bells, we've got a good reason to ring the bells and hear those pretty bells chime. Ring the bells and hear those pretty.
2: Well, the first Christmas shows we did, I think, were in '78, and we didn't have enough Christmas material. So the first half of this show was like regular repertoire, and then the second half oh, was okay. Christmas music. Yeah. And then we thought, hey, you know, there's some pretty great subject matter here at Christmas time. (laughs) There are a lot of songs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and so we, uh, and then we realized the connection that we had with the music and with the holiday itself. And, um, and, you know, we've been singing Christmas. So I kind of use the Christmas shows as landmarks in my life, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, because we've been doing them for so long and, um, and, you know, that we've just been so fortunate that they're, you know, that they sell out and they're successful and, I think it's the highlight of the year every year for me. You know, to do the Christmas show. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. There's yeah. something magical about
1: it. Um, being in it, I, you know, last year, like I was saying, I wasn't part of the course so I got to watch for the first time from the audience mm-hmm. perspective because it's surreal. It experience. is surreal. First yeah. of all, it's the, I'm thinking I'm just going to sneak up there. What are they going to do? Like they can't. <laughs> they're not going to stop me. It's the middle of the show. This I can't. I should've can't believe it. I'm missing this. I should have done it. Yeah. yeah. But even just watching it, you're you're realizing. I, not that I would want anybody to purposely miss the sh- shows that are on the shows, but I think somehow everybody should get this experience to be a part of what it's like, what, what we're kind of what we're able to give off, and the kind of magic and joy that we share. Because I felt it as an audience member, and maybe it was a little bit different because I've been I am in the chorus, otherwise. But I, it was just as magical, maybe if not more, to to view that and be part of that, and to hear the singing, to hear the talent, and just be enveloped in the in the goofiness from the first act and mm-hmm. the the spirituality of the second act like it was it was it was a cool experience that I didn't I, I I'll have been in the chorus 10 years this coming January and that'll be kind of one of the first times I've really just been able to sit out and enjoy it mm-hmm. and see what see the production that we put on yeah know? it's it's, it's fun. It,
2: it is and you know when you get i think a lot of it is energy and you get you know 130 140 people that are you know sending the same thoughts and moods and inspiration and energy and passion about what they're singing and enthusiasm, you know, I think it creates something that, you know, is real. Mm-hmm. You try to, you know, it feels cliche, I think, to say it, but I think it really is. I think, you know, it, that, you know, we say that we like, you know, it's important for us to touch lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, I think that's really what happens.
1: Even though that's what we're celebrating is the, is the meaning of the season, that kind of thing, we get people... It, it, one in our chorus and two in our audience from all walks of life. I mean, all faiths, all, all, you know, spiritualities and, and people come because maybe I like to think maybe they're touched in a way they don't, you know, maybe they're not used to. And if that's not the case, then they're still able to enjoy the overall reverence of it, the overall um I can I can see it putting them in some sort of mood or some sort of I, I don't know maybe exactly if I'm thinking the right words that I'm trying to say but mm-hmm. it seems like we were able to kind of touch all lives, not just people from a certain walk of life from a certain you know kind of your your what you're expecting as a Texas Christian coming to come see mm-hmm. you know the vocal majority of Christmas shows we get a we get a variety of audience members do yeah you
2: think? I agree and I mean you know we've got some uh, guys of Jewish faith and in the chorus uh, in the chorus right. and you know I think. Um, uh just different faiths and and that are represented and you know I don't I, I don't even though we do a lot of christian music and that's kind of the lane in which I fall mm-hmm. um you know I, I even the and it is a christmas show obviously we sing a lot of songs you know about the birth of christ and mm-hmm. we've done other spiritual sacred things but, you know, I think the chorus more is a spiritual organization, certainly, than a Christian organization. Sure. You know, sure. Dad always used to say, you know, you can come from whatever faith you come from, but you know, I see the same God in everybody's eyes. Sure. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting, kind of a deep subject to think about. You know, I think the chorus is that way for everybody. I think for people to—the way I've always viewed it is, is the members have to get more out of it than they, get, than they give. Sure. Um, and I know, I mean, I met the mother of my children through the chorus. Um, you know, I, I uh, was steered into my career and got my education for my career through the chorus. Mm-hmm. My best friends are in the chorus. Um, and I celebrate the holiday, uh, celebrate Christmas with those guys and uh, feeling that shared belief. Um, right. I think is, is a significant thing in people's lives. And I think, you know, we, uh, we put out a Facebook live feed we thought might 40 people might see it it was um hallelujah leonard cohen passed right. away and we and the version we do um dad had taken the third verse and turned it into a christmas verse uh-huh. and, and uh, so we put that out when he passed and ended up getting about eight and a half million views <laughs> but the cool thing was we had a lot of response um relate you know it's it's odd people stayed engaged with that video even though the christmas verse was the third verse and uh-huh. And we had a lady, um, I remember sent us a video and saying that all of these tragic things had happened to her in various Christmas uh days and past and they'd lost family members and and they had quit putting up a tree. Oh sure. Um and she sure. just quit celebrating altogether and that that song inspired her to put up a tree and start really? celebrating Christmas again. And there were just a bunch of responses like that and you realize know, that a group that's as big, I think, and, and, um, has this common passion and inspiration in it with the membership that kind of becomes a single entity, you know, it's more than just all the individual stories. It becomes this big thing, Right. really, really moves and can impact people. And I think especially now, you know, putting harmony into, in the world right now is, you know, is a significant thing to do. Absolutely. Chorus is blessed with a wealth of talent and depth. But, you know, I think it's great that people get that variety and then they get, you know, I think that there's a lot of uh, sameness in a good way in the second half. You know, the second half, those are probably the songs that mean the most to me. Um, You know, we, doing All Holy Night, especially when we did it with the live organist. um, Man, there's something about that one. Well, for one, um, that song, we... We had done a uh, our first Christmas album, Secret of Christmas. Gosh, I guess in the early '80s. Mm -hmm. And on my 24th birthday, uh, I I had uh, had a cassette player in my car. Mm -hmm. And for those of you listening at home, a cassette is (laughs) a it's like tape
1: Uh in a little box. It's like a it's like a thick CD. Yeah, like a thick rectangular CD. Or like
2: a real thick MP3 player. Yeah, yeah, there you okay. go. Okay, all right, now yes. we're, we're, now
1: that everyone's on board. <laughs> yes,
2: so um, it was my 24th birthday and I had a couple of celebrations and um, Jeff Oxley had just moved to town and Joe Connolly was here. And um, so we had been out celebrating my birthday and I was, I was heading home and I'd just gotten a new sports car. And I had it like two weeks and I was heading down to LBJ With Chuck Denton, my best friend, who joined when we were both 12. Yeah. And so I'm in this 300ZX, you know, and something's (laughs) showing off. So I turn up the sound system, and I just started listening to VM Christmas because my birthday's uh, end of November. So a Holy Night's playing. I'm cranking it up, just showing him the sound system, and I'm flying down LBJ East, just flying, showing him my fast sports car. Mm -hmm. And exit. It's Skillman. Skillman Audio Exit. Coming up the exit, and there was uh, a, an abandoned car on the right edge of the road. And so, it, I turned the wheel like an inch, you know, to mm-hmm. avoid it. Well, this new car I was in really re- responded. Right threw us into the guardrail, spun us a couple times, and we ended up flipping the car and had glass t tops. And in September, they had uh, instituted the seatbelt law. I'd never worn seatbelts till until it became Holy mandatory. Cow. So. You know, Chuck being a pilot, you know, probably would have had his on regardless, but we're hanging upside down. This all happened in a fraction of a second. And then there's a curb going between us, and the teetops, glass teetops, had shattered. And we're hanging, and I hear fall on your knees and hear the angel voices literally at that (laughs) moment in time. And my thought was, I've died. You thought you I thought, thought you I were was, in the I thought I was dead. That, w- that it was the heavenly choir. It was like heaven, you know, and, sounding and, awfully a lot like the VM. You know, hear the angel voices. I mean, it's literally that moment in the song. And uh, in about I don't know, it took like eight or ten seconds, then I realized where I was. And the first my first reaction was, Chuck, are you okay? Uh-huh. And Chuck looked over and we're both hanging upside down. Um, in this car, and my mom and his girlfriend, soon to become his wife, were about two minutes behind us because we'd all been at this celebration. Wow. And they rolled up, and of course, you know, they see this car with the paper license plate, you know, this new car right. upside down and had like 700 miles on it, you know? <laughs> And know. Uh, and I don't know. Song, I don't know. I feel like in some weird way that song like saved my life. Sure. And you know, and, yeah. uh, and when I when we get to that part of the song, that's where I go, and I just thank God that you know that Chuck was okay. Yeah, and uh that was my first thought. You know, it was, it, it was scary.
1: Do you reminisce that every time? To- every time we do that song, yep. do you think? Yeah,
2: every time we get to that line, that's where I go. Amazing, and I'm just grateful. You know, just I'm just so grateful. But so
1: you both got out. You, you, we got you out, got out unscathed. unscathed. Yeah. Holy cow! And the car was okay.
2: No, it, it was, I was standing there as they got some kind of crane to turn it over and uh-huh. haul it off, you know, and just, I couldn't, because I mean, we, it flipped and it, it, you know, I don't know what could have happened, but, sure. but there was the VM, like it's always been in the background, in the Hanging foreground, on. Yeah. you know, supporting me while I hang on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh
0: wraps up our first podcast episode, Inside the Vocal Majority. Our second episode will pick up where Greg and Anthony left off with more Christmas stories and music. Watch for it at our website, vocalmajority.com and Facebook page. Be sure to like us on our Facebook page so you get the latest news about future podcasts, performances, videos, and new music releases. And our music is available for purchase at our website. And be watching for a future podcast when Jim Clancy joins us to share his Christmas memories. Until next time, I'm Nick Alexander. Thanks for listening.